Charlie Brown is. I mean, I just had a birthday. I'm feeling a little old, but like, if you don't know who Charlie Brown is, I'm gonna feel really old. So, I mean, everybody know who Charlie Brown is. You know, Snoopy, Peanuts. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I, I love Charlie Brown. I thought Charlie Brown was awesome, which probably says a lot about me. Uh, it probably says it's a good thing we have a counselor on staff here at church that I can talk to sometimes because, you know, Charlie Brown's your hero because, you know, something, you know, because like Charlie Brown was like the lovable loser, right? But uh, I love Charlie Brown. But uh, something else that I'm kind of known for that's really not completely true is like uh, we, ha- we have some men in our church who like to cry. And, um, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of known for not crying, okay? But uh, I, I mean, I do cry sometimes. There are reasons to cry. Now, men shouldn't cry happy tears, or men shouldn't cry at movies, I don't think, but uh, that's just my opinion. That's not like truth or anything, but uh, that's just my opinion. But uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I do cry sometimes. It's Shane that never cries. He's the one that really needs to talk to Lori, right, Leanne? Yeah, uh, but uh, Lori's our church counselor, if you don't know. But uh, uh, when I was a kid, though, there, uh, one of the times that I would cry is because I would get so angry and frustrated. You know the story, and uh, Destiny's going to put it on the screen so you can see it. But you remember something that happened quite often on Peanuts was Lucy would tell Charlie Brown that, you know, kick the football, Charlie Brown, right? You can trust me uh, this time. And uh, Destiny, do you see what I'm talking about? Okay, there we go. All right, right? And, and so... And I would just get so frustrated at him because, like, you know, once, well, that's Lucy, right? Twice, you know, she could be pretty tricky. But, you know, time after time, and I'd be, like, talking to the TV screen. I'd be like, don't believe her, <laughs> right? She's going to pull it away. And I would just get so mad and frustrated that sometimes I would cry. All right? And, and, and I have to tell you, at times when I've thought about my own life, or uh, as times, as, as, a lot of times as a pastor, I mean, I've thought about this because, you know, I've ministered to people and I've been like, don't believe it. It's a lie. Football's going to get pulled away, right? You're going to end up on your back because this is something that the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that Satan is a liar, John 8, Jesus called him the father of lies. Jesus said in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so here's the thing that we can know. Satan, the great enemy of God and of our souls, his desire is to destroy us. And the method that he uses is deception. And so anytime we believe his lies, it's kind of like Charlie Brown believing Lucy. And the end result is you end up on your back because lies always harm us. While what we're going to see today is it's the truth that sets us free. You see... You know, this is the fourth week of the series. In the first couple of weeks, we talked about the cross. And we have freedom in Christ because he purchased it on the cross. 
Last week, we talked about how we respond to the cross, not by being more religious, but by trusting Jesus because we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But then I think that raises the question, and this is where the rubber meets the road in what we're talking about today. Why is it in my life, why is it in your life that sometimes, you know, we believe in Jesus, we know Christ, uh, you know, we know some things about the Bible, but we're not really experiencing the freedom that we say that we have. And really what the scripture teaches us about this, the reason that we sometimes don't live in, walk in, experience this freedom is because we're not living in the truth. We're believing lies, basing our lives on that instead of basing our lives upon the truth of God. So kind of how I want to set this up, and then we're going to look at what Jesus said in, in John 8, 31 and 32, is I kind of thought about, and I polled Philip, who's our Connections pastor, and Lori, who's our church counselor, about, you know, in our time in ministry, which I think if you added, uh, you know, it all it together for all three of us, it's like close to 80 years that we spent combined in ministry, which I don't know how it's possible since we're all 29. But, uh, right, Philip? Uh, but, uh, speaking of lies, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, over close to 80 years combined, uh, you know, these are some of the most common lies of Satan that we've heard from people that they're believing. Certainly not all of them. I mean, there's, I'm sure, hundreds of them. But, but these are some of the most common that we've heard, okay? And I kind of want to set this up with this. You ever thought or said or heard somebody say some things like this? If, if you're thinking this, you're going to any of these, you're going to experience some consequences from it. And I would just about guarantee you that every person in this room is experiencing, experiencing some difficulties in your life because you know or in some kind of relationship with someone who is living their life based on one or more of these things. Okay, so here's a really common lie. I hear this a lot as a pastor. I know the Bible says, and fill in the blank, but... But, and can I just tell you, anytime you add a but to what God says, you're on dangerous ground. Anytime we put a comma where God's put a period, we're asking for trouble. And there's all kinds of variations uh, of this. We probably all have our own. I mean, I know God says this, I know the Bible says this, but, because the issue with the but is what always follows the but. And what always follows the but is an excuse or a justification, right? And I mean, here, here's some of the most common ones, I mean, that I've heard as a pastor. Um, I, I know the Bible says that sex is for uh, married couples, for married men and women, but, right? I know the Bible says that I shouldn't marry an unbeliever, but... I know that uh, the Bible tells me not to leave or divorce my spouse, but, and then there's usually a list of reasons of what's wrong with the spouse and why this could never work. Anything after the but is a lie from Satan. Um, here's one of the most common ones I've heard as a pastor. I know we're not supposed to live together, but. Right? I know I should forgive this person, but, 
I know I'm supposed to go to church, but... And I could go on and on all day, but what I want us to recognize, it's a lie. All right? You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What did Satan do? He denied God's word. He questioned God's word. He distorted God's word by adding to God's word or taking away from it. That's what we do when we put a but to something that God has said. It's from the enemy. Here's a a second big one that I hear a lot as a pastor. I'll get right with God later. And that could be, I'll become a Christian later, I'll stop doing this later, I'll start doing something else later, you know, I'll ask for forgiveness later, I'll make this right uh, later. But, you know, there's a lot of lies in that, and one, later's not guaranteed. You don't know how long you're going to live, you don't know how many more chances God's going to give you, and plus, if it's the right thing, it's the best thing, and so it's smart to do it now and not wait Till later. It's a lie from the enemy. Three, hear this a lot. I can get away with this. Or there's kind of different variations of it. It's not going to hurt anybody. Or nobody's ever going to find out. We don't get away with anything because we reap what we sow. Every sinful thing we do hurts somebody, including God. And nobody will ever find out. Well, God knows everything. And even on a human level, uh, what I, one of the things I've learned as a pastor is secrets are really hard to keep. Number four. And then, like I said, these are just some examples. But uh, like I say, I think some of them you'll relate to in your own life or you know people. Uh, you're experiencing difficulties because other people think this way. Four. I'm not worth anything. You ever say something like that? You know, that's a lie from the enemy. God says you're made in his image. I mean, the price tag that he puts on us is the death of his precious son. Not worth anything. Or some people think my worth depends on basically my performance. What I do, how I look, what I have, where I work, what I drive, anything else. And that's a lie. And see, here's what's going to happen because, and this is what we're going to see in this message, what we believe determines how we think, which determines what we feel, which determines how we act. And so if if you feel like your worth is based on external things, when life is good, you're going to be proud. When life is tough, you're going to be depressed. That's how it's going to play itself out. Number five. Some people think God can never love me, accept me, forgive me, however it's worded in different ways because of who I am or because of what I've done or because of something else. Okay? So if you think that, you're saying you're too bad for God and you're also saying you've outsinned the cross of Jesus Christ where he said it was finished. It's a lie. And really it goes back to the fourth. It's not based on us. It's based on the grace of God. Number six. Very common too. I can't trust God to do or to give me what's best for my life. Andy Stanley says it this way. He said, if we could see what God sees, we would do what God says. But see, here's the thing. We can't see what God sees because he's revealed it in his word. Listen, if we thought that it was going to be best for us to obey God, we would obey God. So at the root of our disobedience is unbelief. I mean, very simple example. You know, God called me to, to be a pastor uh, when, when I was in high school, but I ran from it for a while. Why? Because I thought it was going to ruin my life. I thought it was going to be terrible. I mean, if I would have believed this was going to be an awesome thing, I would have done it immediately. 
So at the root of my disobedience was really unbelief that I thought God uh, wasn't going to give me what's best. You know, really, that's what Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden. God's holding out on you. I've got something better for you. You can know good and evil. But here's the lie. I mean, he's right. She could know good and evil, but the lie is God only wanted them to know good. He was selling it to her as something better when it was really something destructive. So do we trust that God, as he reveals himself and his will for us in Scripture, that's really what's best for us? Do we believe that? Seven, something bad is always going to happen. Um, people will always leave me or disappoint me. Or in general, what this one's saying is just expect the worst. Now listen, I'm not saying, uh, you know, don't be a realist. Life's bad sometimes. But there is no reason for a child of God to be an eternal, everlasting pessimist. I mean, we ought to be the most hopeful people on the earth because we have hope in Jesus Christ. I mean, if, if we don't have any hope, what's, what's that mean for the rest of the world? And, and if everything is always bad and something's always wrong and the sky's always falling, I mean, how does that communicate good news to the rest of the world? There's a disconnect in our belief system if we're a Christian and something's always wrong with everything. I mean, something may be wrong, but aren't there goodness and blessing and grace and those kind of things too? Number eight, this is a lie a lot of people, I can never be good enough. And see, a lot of lies, like Shane said, are half-truths. I mean, really, that's true. But the lie is you don't have to be good enough. Jesus was good enough. Or sometimes what goes along with that, I'll never be able to change, or he'll never be able to change. You know, I can never be different. This relationship can never be different. That's a lie from the enemy because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. He's sufficient for us. That's the truth. Number nine, I deserve, and then fill in the blank. Right? How often do we say this? And, and, and how often do we make our lives miserable? Because we think, I deserve whatever. I mean, we can have, 98% of our life can be awesome, but if we fixate on the 2% that we don't have, and it's, it's never going to be perfect, we can make ourselves miserable. And see, here's the thing. Here's the truth. You want to fill in the blank and it be biblically correct? I deserve hell. And so if we have that perspective, we understand that everything above and beyond that is grace, that tends to make us a whole lot more appreciative. And number 10 goes with that. If I only had blank, life would be perfect and I would be satisfied. If I only had a man, if I only had a woman, if I only had a better job, if I only had a nicer house, if I only wasn't driving this car, if I only had a baby, if I only had this number of children, if, if I only had this much money, if I only had this wrecking, whatever it may be. But that's a lie from the enemy. Listen, if we're not satisfied with what we have right now, we're not going to be satisfied when we get the next thing. We're going to want something else. You know, the question is, what's going to be enough? Life's never going to be perfect here. That's what heaven's about. We are fallen people living in a fallen world. You know, can we be appreciative of the grace that we have? And like I said, these are just some, some examples. 
But I know we all think some of these things. Because I do. Right? We can struggle with these kind of things. And so the, the question is, you know, when we think this way, how does it affect our life? And how can we overcome this? How can we change? How can we be different? Well, that's what we're going to learn from what Jesus said. In these two very simple verses, John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, this is the context, that if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? So we're just going to break this down into three statements that kind of build on each other. The first is this. We demonstrate that we are disciples of Jesus by abiding in his word. Okay? Um, you know, verse 31 again. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, uh, abide means to remain in. And so, you know, here, here's a question. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. So he basically compares Scripture, the Word of God, to spiritual food. So is the Bible like an occasional snack for you, or is it your daily diet? And what he's saying is abiding in his Word is like making it our daily diet instead of just an occasional snack. Okay, is it just a Sunday thing or are you feeding yourself? And, and so you say, well, how do I abide in the word of God? By reading it regularly. I mean, do you have like a plan for reading through the Bible? If you don't, if, download version on your phone. And you go in there and there's, you know, different varieties of Bible reading plans that you can use to kind of just give you some guidance and help you being consistent in taking in God's word in, in your life. You know, we read it. You know, we study it. We dig into it, try to understand what it's saying. We meditate on it, which means we think about it and think about how it applies to our lives. And, you know, we, we memorize it. You got a decision that needs to be made. According to what we read, we need some truth. What if that truth's not in our mind? What are we going to do? We're probably going to make a bad decision. What if we're tempted? Well, the Bible says the way that we can keep ourselves from sin is by hiding God's word in our hearts. If we don't have sin to answer Satan, or don't have scripture to answer Satan's temptation with, we're probably going to sin. What if somebody asks us a question about Jesus? Do we know scripture uh, to be able to answer it with? There's value in memorization and, and, and knowing God's word. Uh, so, you know, we, we read it, we study it, we meditate on it, we memorize it. You can listen to it. I mean, we have so many options to do that today. The Bible on audio, sermons, podcasts. You know, another great way to take truth in is through listening to Christian music. I'm not saying you only have to listen to Christian music. I'm not being legalistic about it. I don't listen to Christian music exclusively, but I listen to it primarily. Why? Two things. To worship God, but then to be fed truth instead of lies. Music's one of the most powerful things in the world. Whoever controls music controls a culture to, to a certain degree. And so, I mean, if, if you listen to the, to the wrong kind of music, I'm not talking about a style or a genre of music. I'm talking about the lyrics, you know, it, it affects us. Songs stick with us. We can take Scripture. We can take truth in that way. You know, we, we ultimately, though, abide in Scripture by putting it into practice in our lives. And here's what I believe because I've experienced it and because I've seen it in people's lives and because uh, this research confirms it. Abiding in the Word of God will change your life. 
I mean, it, it shows you to be a disciple of Christ. It, it makes a difference uh, in our lives. I, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, you know, the research that says, like, uh, you know, there's no real discernible difference between Christians and non-Christians and how they live their lives. You ever, you ever heard those kind of statistics thrown out? Um, well, the, the problem with it is just really not true. They're, they're asking kind of the wrong question because here's what happens. They ask people, are you a Christian? Well, most Americans say yes, right? And then they ask them these follow-up kind of lifestyle questions. And then, uh, so, and the people that say no, and, you know, in that scenario, the answers are pretty similar. But when they ask people some follow-up questions to when they say, yes, I'm a Christian, when they ask stuff like, well, you know, what do you believe about Jesus? You know, what do you believe about being born again and some things like this? You know, when they see, you know, what their doctrine is. And then when they ask some questions about, you know, do you go to church? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray? Do you serve? So on and so forth. Things that would kind of, you know, actually demonstrate somebody to be a Christian usually. You know, we're known by our fruits. When you look at those and then you compare it to non-Christians, it's a complete radical difference. And, you know, there, there's some research done by Harvard University several years ago where uh, they tracked in, uh, couples, who, married Christian couples who read the Bible and prayed together every day. And it was like 1,200 some odd couples in their study. And over a period of several years, there was one divorce. That's the kind of difference that the Bible makes in our lives. Scripture will change our lives. Why? Well, this is the second statement of Jesus. It's because we know the truth through abiding in his word. It's because through Scripture, we know the truth of God. I mean, that, that's what Jesus says here. Abide in my words, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Now, let me give a little background on this. You know, Shane brought up the question with Pilate of what is truth. And, and, and that's such a hugely important question. And, and I think it's really foundational to our society today because we live in a society where the prevailing philosophy is postmodernism. And the idea of postmodernism is there's no absolute truth, so there's only perspectives and societal constructs, and you know, you can have your truth and I can have my truth. And I think that leaves us where uh, Francis Schaeffer decades ago uh, prophesied in a sense where he said, modern man firmly has, has both feet firmly planted in midair. Because if there's no truth, there's nothing to stand on. I mean, think about it. Um, you know, here's what we believe truth is biblically and what, you know, the ancient philosophers said. Truth is that which is really real. Truth is ultimate reality. If there's no truth, there's no reality. Right? And, and so a lot of people today say there's no absolutes. But, you know... That's a problematic statement because when you say there's no absolute, you're stating an absolute. We talked about this in the God Question series. It's, just, it's like sitting on a limb and sawing it off. It's a logically self-contradictory statement. It doesn't stand. Okay? And, and I don't think people really believe it anyway. If, 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 if I walked up to you with a gun and said, I'm going to kill you, 
Is that right or wrong? You're probably going to say it's wrong, it's wrong and uh, you shouldn't do it and please spare my life. But I, if I say, well, it's my truth for me, it's right, it's okay for me uh, to kill you, I don't think you're going to be a relativist in that moment. So here, here's what we believe about truth. Truth is ultimate reality, but Al Mohler describes it this way, and he's right. He says, truth is universal. That means if something's true, it's true anywhere, any culture, any person, any time, any place, any circumstance. It's absolute. That means it's always true without exception in every scenario. It's unchanging. You know, we hear a lot today, well, you know, we've evolved past this. We know better than this. But if something's true, it's always has been true. It always will be true. Why? Because it corresponds to reality. It's the way that it is. Truth is knowable. And truth is capable of being conveyed by language. Now, behind that then, here's, here's what we see in Scripture about truth just quickly. The Bible tells us that truth is personal. Because it says that God is truth. In, in Scripture, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are all called truth. God is ultimate reality. Truth comes from Him. It comes from His nature. Something is true because it conforms to the nature of God. If something's false, it's because it goes against the nature of God. Chuck Colson put it this way. He said, it's the assertion that in the beginning was God, that He is responsible for the universe, for our very existence, and that He has created the order and structure in which life exists. Everything we know all meaning flows from him. That's what it means to say God is truth. But a second step then is we see in scripture that truth is propositional. In other words, God has communicated truth to us in language through his word so we have it as an objective absolute standard of truth and falsehood, right and wrong. Jesus said, and it's stated many other places in scripture, but Jesus who rose from the dead said in a prayer to his father in John 17, 17, your word is truth. And then what I want us to see today is because truth is personal, truth is God, truth is revealed in his word, and truth is ultimate reality, then truth is practical, and it's by knowing the truth that we can know reality, that we can know how to live, and therefore live in freedom. And when we live opposed to the truth of God, because it's reality, we're missing out on the life that God designed us for. That's why if we abide in the word of God, we'll know the truth because it is truth. And because truth is reality, it will set us free. Okay? Think of it this way. Um, a lot of you know John Harrell. John's back in the sound booth. Um, he's one of our leaders here at True Life and, and runs Safe and Sound in Knoxville. And John and Lindsay have three kids. And, uh, you know, if, if you know John, uh, he, you know, he likes to kid around. He's kind of known as an instigator. But he definitely has a serious side, too, because John's very black and white. He's very literal. I think he probably has the spiritual gift of discernment, maybe prophecy. And uh, I like that because I'm pretty black and white, too. I can identify with it. But apparently, uh, their son, Mason, who is nine, is that right, uh, is kind of taken after John. He's very literal. He's very black and white. Then they have two younger daughters. And uh, the, the middle daughter is Audrey. And then John told me this story recently, and it goes back a few years ago. But Audrey, being a good sister, likes to tweak her brother. 
right? And likes to mess with him. And uh, she wouldn't, I'm sure, know these terms, but I guess she can tell the Mason is like very literal and very black and white and that kind of thing. And so John was telling this story about one time where to mess with her brother, she was saying, the sky's purple. The sky's purple. And Mason's like, no, the sky's not purple. The sky's not purple. The sky's purple. No, the sky's not purple. The sky's blue. Mom, tell her the sky's not purple. Tell her to stop saying that. You know, that kind of thing. But here's my point. If everything's relative, there's no re- ultimate reality. The sky's purple or the sky's yellow or the sky's green or the sky's whatever you want it to be. But does that correspond to reality? But see, here, here's how this ends up affecting our life and our society. A, a, a person is obviously biologically male. But if there's no ultimate reality, he walks around saying, well, I'm a female. That's how I identify myself. That's how I see myself. And everybody else is supposed to pretend like that that's okay. And that's the way it really is. But you see, the emperor has no clothes because deep down, we know that certain things are true, certain things are false, certain things are right, certain things are wrong. God's put it inside of us. We see it in the world around us. I mean, if there's no reality, nothing has any meaning. We have to kind of figure out and and, and define and come up with our own meaning. And I would say as a root cause, this is where we are in a lot of cases in our society today because you take away truth, everything else crumbles crumbles because it's the foundation. So, you know, if you don't believe there's any truth, Satan's a liar. He's got you the palm of his hand. I mean, that's really what this is saying. You know, if everybody gets to decide their own truth and truth doesn't come from God, Satan's got us where he wants us because we can define it however we want it to be. Or here's a way, I see this, and I'm just giving you this as a warning as a pastor, if you're a Christian, because I see this a lot, maybe it's you, maybe it's not you, but I hear a lot of Christians say things like, well, you know, I believe the Bible, or, you know, this is what Christians believe, or this is what's true for me, or this is what's true for us. Can I just tell you, if you believe that, that is not a Christian moral view. You've gotten sucked into postmodernism. Because the idea is, if it's true, it's universally, unchanging, absolutely true in every case, for every person, in every circumstance, in every culture. And based on that, we can say, thus says the Lord. This is what God says. People can like it or not like it, but they can follow it or not follow it, believe it or not believe it, but they can't alter reality, and we don't need to participate in that. We can say this is right, this is wrong, this is true, this is false. And we don't have, I mean, we need to do it kindly, lovingly, winsomely, uh, you know, caringly with people. But we don't have to backtrack. We don't have to be on the defensive because this is truth. And, and we know, even you throw this out, we know that it's just illogical to say there's no absolutes. So, if you're abiding my words, you're my disciples. If we do that, we know the truth. Because it is the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. And then the last thing. The truth then will set us free. Why? Because we know and can live according to reality. We know and can live according to God's design. Instead of listening to Satan's lies. And letting him get us off track from what's real and from what's true. Now, 
I want to make this really practical for us, and this is, this is how we're going to finish. I'm going to share some material that some of it I shared in a message last year when we are going through the book of Romans. Romans 12.2 says this. It came from this message. It, it says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be squeezed into this world's mold. what it literally means. Be transformed. Literally experience a metamorphosis through the, re- through the renewing of your mind. You say, well, why is it so important to renew my mind? Here's, here's the principle that that's teaching. The Bible teaches us that we can change our lives by changing the way that we think. And the way that we change the way that we think is we replace Satan's lies with God's truth. Now, here's, here's how this is so encouraging. This is so helpful. You, you, may, you may be thinking, you know, I, I feel a certain way and how could I ever feel differently? You know, I can't control my feelings. That's not true. I'm going to show you that in the next 10 minutes. You can change the way you feel by changing the way you, that you think. You, you may say, I could never do this that, that I should do or I can never stop doing what uh, I shouldn't be doing. And I, want to, I want to help you see that the way what we do it's controlled by how we think. And if you want to control, change how you act, you change how you think. This is why. I want to show you why and how, okay? Biblically, number one, all behavior, according to Scripture, is based on a belief. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19, it talks about where people were disobeying because they didn't believe God. It's like I said before, the reason I disobeyed God and not following my call is because I didn't trust him. Faith and obedience go together. All behavior, all action comes from a belief. Okay? Number two, behind every sinful behavior, this goes all the way back to Genesis 3 and the lie in the garden. Behind every sinful behavior, there's a lie that I believe. This is going to fulfill me. This is going to make me happy. Satan will tell you that, but he doesn't tell you, you know, the crushing results that's going to come from it down the road, right? We, we look at the temporary enjoyment. We don't see what we're reaping from it. So then number three, therefore, you put these two things together. That means that change always starts in the mind. And along with that, the key to changing our feelings and behavior It's changing our beliefs and our thinking by replacing the lies with truth. Now, let me show you, show this to you visually. And 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 this isn't mine. This this is actually comes from Dr. Lori Warwood, our our counselor here, and she uses it in counseling or sometimes in training people. So if you look at this visual, you've got soil, roots, the trunk of the tree, and then you know the, the branches and the fruit that come from that. Okay, so let's start with the soil, and I'm going to read Lori's description of that. The soil, and we, you know, we all have this in our lives, is our life experiences, our family patterns, our, our training, uh, pain, trauma that we've been through, how things are defined, expectations, both met and unmet, mentors, examples, Uh, overt and covert messages, real or perceived. You know, none of us exist in a vacuum. We were raised a certain way. We've experienced certain things. And, you know, some people in life, their parents start them out with a handicap, right? I mean, the way they were trained, the example they they saw, the lies that were told. Some people are blessed, and they, were, they had great training, taught truth. It was modeled for them. But, but here's the thing. Go back to what we talked about a couple of weeks. 
uh, our background affects us, but it doesn't determine us. It may make it easier or it makes it harder, but it's not an excuse. Why? Because whatever we've experienced, whether it was healthy or unhealthy, we can choose to believe lies or we can choose to believe truth. You see, so, so the roots here, and, and you know, the roots in, in agriculture end up determining everything else. The roots are what we believe. We're either going to believe lies or we're going to believe truth. And see, out of that, out of what we believe, uh, will flow our day-to-day, moment-by-moment thoughts. And then out of what we think comes how we feel and then what we do. And so the idea is, since all this is connected together, if we change our thinking through changing our beliefs, we're going to feel differently and we're going to act differently. All right, let me give you maybe a a, a simple, uh, silly illustration of this. I mean, this is pretty heavy, but let me just kind of give you a silly illustration of this, okay? Um, You know, there's a famous story in the history of true life from, uh, goes back to when we were first starting uh, the church, and we were in a rented building about a mile from here. We had to renovate the building, and some of the, the core group were at the church working on the building one day, and some of us were in the kitchen, and a, a, a mouse ran through the kitchen, okay? And it, uh, my wife saw it, and did it, did it run over your foot, too, or did you just see it? It ran over your foot. It ran in front of your foot, okay? And so um, Robin is not fond of mice, Okay, you know, I've made jokes about cats, but uh, I've never had a reaction like this to a cat, you know. Uh, I mean, and, and so I asked Robin about this, and she's like, in one of the houses she lived in growing up, they had a lot of, like, field mice. And when she was a little kid, she'd hear them running around at night, and it would scare her. She'd hear her mom, uh, like, kill, killing them in the basement or whatever. That's the soil, okay? But uh, so she came to this belief that, uh, you know, m- m- Mice are awful, terrible, filthy creatures. So she sees a mouse, and she starts thinking. I don't know if I can say what she probably started thinking, but, uh, you know, there's a mouse, you know, and uh, what she do? She gets scared. She freaks out, and her actions are she starts yelling, and she grabs the nearest thing to her, which just happened to be David Adams, and maybe not the most appropriate spot. And uh, all of this came from what she believes about mice. And what I'm saying is, you know, in any situation in life, things much more serious than that, how we feel about it and what we end up doing comes from what we believe about it. So, if we want to change our lives, we do it by changing our thinking. How do we change our thinking? We replace lies with truth. Well, how do we do that? Let me close with this. Just three simple ways. Number one, we feed our minds with truth. We feed our minds with truth. And this goes back to what I was talking about in point number one. It goes back to what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of of God. There's only one promise of success for success in the Bible. Psalm 1, Joshua 1, and it's to meditate on and obey the word of God. So we feed our minds with truth. We we get into this book, we we know it. 
We know it and we live based on it. Listen to me. There's no shortcuts. Just like you can't be buff physically by never exercising and eating everything, anything you want, eating junk food all the time. You can't be in shape spiritually by consuming spiritual junk food and never exercising yourself in the Word of God. There are no shortcuts. If, if you say, um, you know, I know Jesus, but man, my life's a wreck. How much time are you spending in the Word of God? How, how much are you applying the Word of God? How much are you believing the Word of God? We change the way we think by feeding our minds with truth. But second, we change the way that we think by freeing our minds from destructive thoughts. Because, it, it, like, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, renew your mind. Renew basically means to renovate. To renovate something, you usually got to tear something out and then put something better in its place. To renovate our minds, we've got to tear out the junky thinking and put truth back in its place. You know, Scripture tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me just give you five little simple practical statements to help us do that. Number one, remember this. I don't have to think what I'm thinking. Something comes into your mind. You don't have to keep thinking that. You can take control of that thought and replace it with a true thought. We all think some crazy, irrational, sinful thoughts. Some things sometimes just pop in our minds. We can replace that with truth. Number two, I don't have to believe what I'm thinking. Just because it pops in your head doesn't mean it's true. You can say, this is God's truth. I do not believe this. I do not accept this. See, the battlegrounds in our minds. If Satan can, can, can control how we think, he's going to control the rest of our lives. The freedom, the victory is in our minds practically day in and day out. Listen, believe this. I don't have to do what I'm thinking. Just because you thought it, you don't have to act on it. You know, you can have whatever thought, and then your next thought can be, this is stupid. We all need to have that second thought a lot, right? This is stupid. This is sinful. This is not right. I, I'm not doing this. I'm not thinking this. I'm going to talk to somebody about it. I'm, I'm not going to do this. We don't have to do it just because we think it. Number four, we, this needs to sink in. I don't have to say it just because I'm thinking it. Okay? This will save some of your marriages. Right? I have to say it just because I'm... You know, here's one of the lies of our culture. Oh, express your feelings. Can I just tell you, some feelings should not be expressed. They should be buried in a cemetery somewhere, right? Now, don't think... I mean, I know we can suppress our feelings to our detriment. I'm just saying, if we feel something and we know it's not right, take it to God. Uh, you know, take it to... Talk to somebody that can help us with it. You know, get the truth on it. But, you know, don't feel like you've got to vent them to, you know, don't think just because you feel mad that you've got the right to cuss everybody out around you. Okay? Just because you, you know, our feelings are not the ultimate validation of everything that we want to do. Right? And, and that's part of what happens when truth goes. You become this touchy-feely society that, you know, everything's about everybody's feelings, and that's a lie. Feelings are just symptoms of the soul. And then the, the last one. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you don't. But just because you're thinking it, you don't have to post it. Right? I don't have to post what I'm thinking. 
Some of you ought to put that on your social media feeds today because some of your friends need to hear, right? Or maybe it needs to be a reminder to you. Listen, we don't have to think what we're thinking. We don't have to do what we're thinking. We don't have to say what we're thinking. Uh, we, we don't have to post what we're thinking. I mean, you know, we can replace the lies with truth and change the way that we're thinking. And the last thing, we focus on the right things. The Bible uh, tells us, to think on things that are pure and truly true and holy and of virtue and of good report. And ultimately, it tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because listen to me. The more we meditate on Jesus, the more we worship him, the more we think about the gospel, the more secure we are in his love. And the more we know how accepted we are, we don't have to live trying to find worth in external things. And we don't have to live based on our own performance. And we don't have to live trying to impress people. And we can be satisfied and content with what God has blessed us with because we know that the ultimate reality of our lives is that we're in Jesus Christ. And that is what trumps everything else. So if you abide in my word, you're really my disciple. And if we abide in his word, we know the truth. And when we know the truth, that's when we're set free. Jesus purchased it on the cross, but it gets applied and experienced in our lives day in and day out by walking in the truth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? First of all, let me, let me talk to you if you're not a Christian yet. You know, if that's you, you're not here by accident. God brought you here to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You want to have a relationship with God. You want to go to heaven. You want to know the truth. You want to have life. It's found in Christ. And if you have questions about that, I encourage you to talk to me before you go. Talk to Pastor Philip in the lobby. Talk to somebody you know. Fill out your connection card. Let us know you'd like to talk to somebody so we can follow up on you, with you. But if you know, if you know God's drawing you to himself right now, that you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, just right there where you are. You can admit to God that you're a sinner. You can ask him to forgive you. You can tell him that you believe in Jesus. And you can ask Jesus to come into your heart and take control of your life. Listen, it's by faith that we receive the grace of God. It's, you, know, you can just talk to him. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't have to be some kind of magical words. But like I say, if you have questions about that, you respond to Christ today. Let us know so we can follow up with you and help you on your spiritual journey. For those of us who are Christians, what kind of lies are you believing? I mean, what's going on in your life that you know is not right, it's not good, it's hurtful and not helpful, that maybe what you see today is it can be traced back to something that you're believing You know, repentance is, is a change of mind. Can I just encourage you right now to ask the Lord to help you to lay down those lies and pick up the truth of God? Can I encourage you and challenge you right now? 
to make it a commitment, to make it a daily part of your life, to seek God through his word, to feed yourself spiritually, to take in truth and believe that truth and apply that truth and live according to that truth. Because that's where freedom comes. Would you make that commitment to the Lord right now that that's how you're going to live your life and ask him for the grace to help you with that? Listen, if you're really struggling with something, with a feeling, an action, if, if there's something you know that you're believing but you're not quite sure just how to get past it, come and talk to me or talk to your small group leader or somebody you know and trust here or you know, make an appointment with Dr. Arwood. Her name number's on the back of the bulletin. Let her help you work through that. And it all comes down to the truth. Lord God, we thank you that you are truth, that there is reality in you. God, we thank you for the truth of your word that was given to guide us in our lives. Lord, help us to trust you. Father, I pray that just the Spirit of God would take the word of truth and just bring it alive in our hearts and in our minds, that you would expose the lies that we're believing and that we would begin to trust you instead, that we would begin to just rely on, take hold of your word and put it into practice in our lives. Lord, help us to live in the freedom for which Christ set us free by your grace and by your power. Just pray for the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit, God, in each of our lives to cause us to respond to you and your truth. God, I pray that you draw people to yourself who need a relationship with you. And God, that we would trust you and that we would walk in your truth. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.